Loved ones, I invite you now to turn and find in your Bibles the scripture passage we will consider and meditate on this morning from the Psalms, Psalm 34. You can find that in our Pew Bibles on page 872. So far in our summer in the Psalms, we've seen in the beginning uh, the double-door entrance into the Psalter with Psalms 1 and 2, where God was inviting us in to find blessedness in Him. And then we looked at a cry of lament in Psalm 13, and we saw those three steps out of despondency, protest, petition, and praise. And then last week, Pastor Daniel showed us the pearl of the Psalms in Psalm 23, and we saw that God is our good shepherd who promises to be with us in each and every moment of our life, even through death itself. And that brings us to this passage this morning, this psalm, which is a psalm of thanksgiving. And David is calling us here to join with him in giving thanks to God for delivering him from all his troubles. David, will see, wants us to experience the joy of knowing the goodness of God. And so let us, pray, let us now uh, give our attention to the reading of God's holy word, Psalm 34. Of David... When he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears." Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one, who will, no one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing as we meditate on it. Lord God, we come before you and we have heard this beautiful psalm, this prayer of thanksgiving that comes off the 
ancient lips of David. And we ask, Lord, that now, by your Spirit, you would illuminate our hearts to see clearly your Scripture and your truth within it, and especially that we would see Jesus through your Word, which is living and active, impress him upon our hearts and give us greater measure of faith. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, loved ones, in this psalm here this morning, we, in a sense, are presented with a table. David lays out for us a table and invites us to feast on the goodness of God. He calls us there in the middle to taste and see that the Lord is good. And we'll see that God is indeed good and gracious to all who cry out to him in their time of trouble. Now, there are lots of different parts to this psalm, to this poem, but we'll look at two simple parts. First, the invitation to feast on the goodness of God, and secondly, the reason to feast on the goodness of God. So first, that invitation to feast on the goodness of God. If you look at the opening verses of this psalm, David, he calls us to extol, praise, boast in, glorify, and exalt the Lord his God. He nearly expends all of his vocabulary here, calling us to praise the Lord. He's inviting us to say good things about the Lord, to find our pride and boast in him, and to show our loving admiration for God with all that we have and all that we are. It's sort of like, as I've said, a feast where you're there with your family and friends, and there's different foods set before you, and as you're taking it in, you're delighting in the goodness of it, and you say, wow, this food is great. God is so good. You see, David is calling us to join. Join him in complimenting God. God, who is the chef, has laid out this great spread of food for our souls. He wants us to delight in together and celebrate God's goodness. David's crystal clear here. He wants us to worship the God of the Bible, the Lord, Yahweh, the God who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, the God who revealed himself to Israel. He wants us to worship him, and this is important. This is important because each and every one of us today here, whether you recognize it or not, is worshiping something in your life. Something has captured your heart's attention, and you're giving your time and energy to that thing. You're trying to find meaning and satisfaction in your life from something. And sadly, the default setting of our sinful hearts is to worship anything and everything but God, the one who made all things, the one for whom we were made at the end of the day. And David here in this psalm is calling us out of that default mode of worshiping everything else but him. He's calling us to intentionally and conscientiously worship God because he is worthy of all our praise, worthy of all honor, worthy of all glory. The Lord is good. Now, at what times does David call us to worship God, to feast on his goodness? Look at verse 1. When? At all times. And always, continually on our lips, praise. So that means not just in the good times, not when it's easy 
to thank God, but also in the bad times, the dark times. Not just when you're on vacation and the temperature is perfect and you have no care in the world, but also when you are working on a rainy day and you're in distress. Praise the Lord at all times and always we are to praise the Lord. Now who? Who is called here to praise the Lord? We'll look at verse 2. David calls on all those who are afflicted to respond with praise. And so those who are afflicted, or it could be translated here, humbled, are called to praise God at all times. Now maybe you're thinking at this point, what right does David have to call us to worship God at all times, even in the dark and difficult times? What right does he have to call afflicted, troubled people to praise God? Well, look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. What does David call himself? He calls himself this poor man. Now, the Hebrew word in the original text for poor man in verse 6 is the same word that is found there in verse 2 for the afflicted. And that Hebrew term for the afflicted is used with a broad stroke in the Old Testament. It can refer to the poor, the afflicted, the lowly, the marginalized, the underrated, the downtrodden, the humbled, or we could say the little people in comparison to the big shots of the world. And perhaps you feel like that at times in your own life. And David says there in verse 6, I am one of those little people, one of the poor and needy people when I cried out to God. Now what does that mean? Well, it means that when David calls us to praise the Lord at all times, he's speaking as one who personally knows suffering and difficulty. He was one who was afflicted in a variety of trials. This is not Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky telling us, don't worry, be happy. No, David was a poor and miserable mess at times in his own life. And so, what is this psalm but one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread? You see that? He was afflicted, and he's calling all else, all others who are afflicted to find goodness in God. And this is so important for us to think about because uh, perhaps as Christians, as we know the Bible, we think of David, and often what image do we have in our mind? We think of him as King David, royal King David, in all his splendor. But he wasn't always a king. We have to remember his story and think of David himself telling us his story of small beginnings. He would maybe say, I was a poor man who cried out to God for help. I came from nothing, a lowly shepherd boy, the last and least of all my brothers. I know what it's like to feel little and overlooked. I know. It's true, yes, I was chosen by King Saul to be his court musician, to play before the king, but then soon after he got jealous and angry with me, and my own king that I loved and adored tried to kill me. He hunted me down like I was a wounded prey. I know what it's like to feel defamed and despised by others. Before I was king, I was this poor man who cried out to God for help. So let me tell you about how God helped me. Let me tell you how the goodness of God came through for me. And believe me this, if you look to God by faith, 
and God will help you too. Come feast with me on the goodness of God. You see, we have to remember David's small beginnings, that this invitation to praise the Lord our God is for those who are little people, afflicted, troubled, humbled people in the world. Now, Francis Schaeffer, the late Francis Schaeffer, Christian theologian, apologist, has a wonderful little sermon called No Little People. Uh, he begins describing how we often think of ourselves as small, weak, and insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But Schaefer in that sermon claims that with God, there are no little people. There are no little people with God. And his point is that no matter how small and insignificant that you feel, if you commit yourself, entrust yourself to Jesus, God sees you. He loves you. And by his grace, God is using you for good, each and every one of you. All the time, what do we see day in and day out in the news and on social media? We see the big people, right? We see the popular people, the celebrity people. But all the time, who does God see? God sees the little people, the humble people, his faithful servants crying out to him, for help in their time of need. Look at what David says down in verse 15 of our passage. Even though the powers of the world were set against him, King Saul hounding him down, even though he was small and outnumbered, what does he say? He realizes that the Lord's eyes were upon him, that God's ears were attentive to his cries, and the Lord encamped around him. He had that protection of God's nearness with him. Young David, in this point when he wrote this psalm, he was far from the glory of the world. He was hated and hunted by Saul, and that broke his heart because he loved him. It crushed his spirit. But in that dark valley, he was comforted by this. The Lord of glory was with him. As we saw last week, as Pastor Daniel showed us from Psalm 23, David knew that the Lord was with him even in the valley of the shadow of death, and that comforted and strengthened his soul. And so are you afflicted this morning? Is something troubling you in your heart? Listen to King David's invitation here. This invitation that came from David before he was a king, when he was a poor boy, running away from Saul. Listen to his invitation. Worship the God of the Bible. Taste and see that God is good. He is, as David says, near to the brokenhearted and those whose spirits are crushed. If that is you, he is near to you this morning as you look to him by faith. He sees you. He loves you. He delights in you. And we see this promise of God's nearness to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Jesus is good. He is gentle and lowly, and he bids us come to him. Remember what Jesus said about himself in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Jesus' invitation there in Matthew 11 is so similar to the one that we find here in Psalm 34. He's calling all those who are little people, people with broken hearts and crushed spirits, to find rest and comfort for our souls. But there's one big difference that I want to point out. David invites us to praise the Lord, to look to the Lord, to take refuge in the Lord, and to taste and see that the Lord is good. David points away from himself to God. In comparison, Jesus invites us to go to Him, to find rest in Him, and to follow Him. In David's many afflictions, he came to realize that he needed the Lord more than anything. And so that's why he tells all those who are afflicted, taste and see that the Lord is good. Go to Him. Find your blessed rest in Him. He found comfort and relief in the goodness of God for him. And so he points us away from David to God. On the other hand, Jesus tells all who are afflicted, heavy laden, weary, come to me. Wow. Come to me and I will give you rest. That is a radical claim that Jesus made. And it only makes sense if he himself is the Lord our God. And that is what we believe. The same God in whom David found comfort and refuge for his weary soul, that same God took on flesh and became a true man, Jesus of Nazareth, who came for us to save us from our troubles. So we need Jesus. This psalm is an invitation to worship the Lord our God for his goodness. And Jesus is the clearest and fullest manifestation of the Lord God. Jesus is the goodness of God made manifest, dwelling here among us on earth 2,000 years ago. Therefore, this psalm is an invitation at the end of the day to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what God is presenting before us this morning. And so Christians, in your trials and in your triumphs, your highs and your lows, you need Jesus. We need Jesus. Recently, I was li listening to a podcast where Pastor Sam Albury says this, and it's profound. He says, maturity in the Christian life, maturity in the Christian life is needing Jesus more, not needing Jesus less. We don't graduate out of needing him. You never graduate out of needing Jesus. We always need more of him. Why? Because Jesus is the goodness of God towards us with grace upon grace, as John says in his gospel. So remember this invitation from David to praise the Lord comes from a poor and afflicted man calling us to worship the Lord our God at all times, to rejoice in him in all times. A kind of joyful defiance in the face of all our troubles. God is saying, look to me, trust in me, look to Jesus in whom all the goodness of God dwells. And we too can have that joyful defiance when we learn to lean upon God, to refuge in Him and His goodness in the person of Jesus. Remember, there are no little people to Jesus. Entrust yourself to Him. He sees you, He loves you, and He's working good through you, even in the midst of your afflictions. But only those who take refuge in Jesus, only those who look to Him, will be blessed in that way, as David is talking about. And remember, David did this. He took refuge in the goodness of God. His heart 
was neither shaken nor stirred in the midst of his trouble. It was settled upon the rock-solid goodness of God. That's where we need to be. Settled upon the rock-solid goodness of God. Not tossed to and fro, but settled upon the goodness of God. So in our troubles, turn to the Lord Jesus. Look to him. Trust in his goodness. Be satisfied in him and find all that you need in who he is for you. As Paul says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord for his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. So we've seen this invitation to praise the Lord, to feast on his goodness. Now let us consider the reason to praise the Lord. The reason to feast on his goodness. Well, David here is not just a religious person telling us that we should praise the Lord. No. He had a real experience of the goodness of God that met him in his time of need. So his invitation here is birthed out of his own personal experience. He's already feasted at this table, and now he's inviting us to join him there. So Christian, there is a seat reserved for you with your name on it. You are invited to this feast. You are welcomed. You are wanted. Come and feast on the goodness of God. Now, what was David's reason that he gives us here for praising the Lord? Well, his reason is found in verses 4 to 7, in our text 4 to 7, where we find that he sought the Lord for help in his time of need, and the Lord delivered him from all his fears and troubles. Now, when did that happen? When did that happen? If you look back at the subscript for this psalm, back at the beginning of verse 1, or just above those smaller letters there, we find that it refers to this time when David pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. This refers to an event, a dramatic story that's found in 1 Samuel 21, 10 to 15, when David was on the run. David was fleeing for his life from King Saul. And I'd like to read that story for you, and then we'll show its connection with the psalm. And so 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 to 15, reads this. That day David fled from Saul and went to Ashish, king of Gath. But the servants of Ashish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of the king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Nashish said to his servants, Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you've brought this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Wow, what a story. A story of God's grace and goodness to David when he was in a bad spot, fleeing from King Saul, the king of Israel, an enemy on his tail, right? And standing before him was another enemy, the king of Gath, right in front of his face. 
He was between a rock and a hard place. And what did David do in his trouble? We read in the story that he acted insane, right? He disguised himself as a madman. He pretended to lose his marbles. He's crawling around on the floor, scratching at things and drooling like a wild animal. And it worked. The king of Gath fell for the act and let him go. He sent David away thinking, I don't want this lunatic in my kingdom, in my home. Get him out of here. Now, that's what David did, but what 1 Samuel, that account, does not tell us is what the psalm reveals to us. Something else that David did in his trouble. Look at verse 4 again. Before or during David's act of insanity, he sought the Lord in prayer. He petitioned his God in quiet prayer. In that dead-end situation, before the king of Gath, David asked the Lord for deliverance. And he didn't care about his pride. Think of that. He was willing to ask God for help and to even look like a fool in order to survive, trusting in the goodness of God in the moment instead of trusting in his own strength. So on the outside, David looked like a man who had lost all sense of reality. Insane. But David was more sensible than anyone else there around him because he knew what mattered most. God's good presence was with him even in his trouble. Now we can imagine that when David finally got free and away from the king of Gath and found himself there in the cave of Adalam, his face probably changed. He dropped the act, right? The madman act. He didn't have to do that anymore. He was far enough away and in the safety of the cave. So picture him there. As he enters into the cave, he probably wiped off the saliva that he had on his face, all of it, and he sat down And he probably laughed himself into a glowing smile, radiating with joy. As David says in verse 5, those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Why did his face radiate with joy? Because the Lord had delivered him in a surprising, somewhat crazy way. The Lord answered his prayer, a poor little man who cried out for help. I bet his face lit up with joy like a little boy on Christmas morning, excited, rejoicing in the goodness of God. Then as he's radiating there in the cave with joy, I suppose that David reached down into his bag that he had, perhaps, and grabbed out some bread, bread, and began to eat while he was reveling in the goodness of God. Why do I think that? Well, If you look back at 1 Samuel 21, we're told that just prior to that event, before the king of Gath, before his insanity act, David had received holy, consecrated bread from a priest. He had consecrated bread of the presence with him, also called the showbread. That holy bread was placed in the tabernacle every week, replaced there with fresh new bread. And so this bread of presence... What did it symbolize for the Jewish people? It symbolized the good presence of God among his people. In a sense, each week in that tent of meeting was this table, this dinner table in the home of God with his people, set and prepared for them. The bread symbolized God's good and gracious presence among his people. And I believe that David probably still had some loaves of bread on him still that day when he left the king of Gath. I can't prove it, but I suppose that David got the idea of tasting and seeing the Lord is good as he sat there 
eating the bread of presence and thanking God for being present with him to save him from his troubles. I think David's heart was delighting in the goodness of God as his taste buds were delighting in the savory goodness of the bread, which symbolized God's presence among his people. So why? Why did David call us here to praise the Lord? What's the reason to feast on his goodness? Because he is good. He is good. He is near to all the brokenhearted, all those who are humbled and look to him in their time of need. He heard little King David, a poor man, crying out for help to God. The king of the universe heard him and answered him. And David saying, praise him because the Lord is good. I know him to be good. Now you taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. Let's feast together on his goodness. So that's David's reason. But I don't want us to end there. Our ultimate reason to praise God is in David's Son, yet David's Lord, Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives us the ultimate reason to praise God. Jesus wasn't just a poor man and a afflicted man. He was the poor man, to which David pointed ahead as a type. Jesus was afflicted with all our griefs. He was pursued and hunted to death and willing to be mocked spit at and hanged on the cross like a fool, like a criminal for us. Why? Because Jesus is good. Jesus is the goodness of God. In love, God made a deal to trade places with us. He was condemned and killed that we might be accepted and brought into the family of God to live with him. Jesus is the reason why we have the hope. It is found in verse 22 of our psalm. Look there, he says, The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. As Paul says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Instead of a courtroom of judgment, God invites us now to his home of love with a table. A table set and prepared for us. And what does Jesus say about himself in John In his gospel, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hungry. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So friends, this morning, hear the invitation. Receive it. Come and feast on the goodness of Jesus. Turn away from worshiping anything and everything else but God, and instead, feast on the goodness of Jesus, for he alone can satisfy your longing hearts. What should our response be? Well, it's what David called us to in the beginning. Extol, praise, boast in, glorify, and exalt the Lord your God, for he is good. And as we've often sung in our Friday night fellowships, we sing a song, The Goodness of Jesus. And listen to the invitation again from one of the stanzas of that song. Come and find your hope now in Jesus. He is all he said he would be. Grace is overflowing from the Savior's heart. Rest here in his wondrous peace. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. Satisfied, he is all that I need. May it be, come what may, that I rest all my days in the goodness of Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, teach our hearts 
this full confidence in you that David expresses in this psalm. There are no little people with you, O Lord. You see us. You see each and every one of us that cry out to you for help, to look to you to redeem us from our sin and all our misery. You are good, and by your goodness, you have met us. Holy Spirit, meet us now. Call us out of our sins and into your grace. Call us out of our wanting and into your generous love. Call us out of our selfish pride to feast on the goodness of Jesus. Give us rest in him, satisfy us in him, and cause us to revere your goodness, to walk in fear of you all our days, come what may. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.